Greetings from the humongous. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. I don't know what the hell's in there. It's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. This is the chopper! I'll have what she's having. Hey, Dr. Joe, no time for love! Hey, hey, Sal, how come the brothers on the wall here? You want brothers on the wall? Get your own place, you can do what you want to do. You are nothing but unorganized, grabastic pieces of amphibian shit! Society made me what I am. That's bullshit. Yeah, that's simply the way they talk here. Nobody pays any attention to you unless you swear every other word. What did the pajamas look like? I don't know. They were jammies. They had Yodas and shit on them. It's such a fine line between stupid and clever. He sends one of yours to the hospital. You send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Uh, welcome to Film Driven. I'm Steve Haskin. I'm Andre Shane. We are back. We're back. We're not driving, though. We're still not driving. We are not driving, Steve, but we are in person. I see Steve sitting in front of me. At least I think it's Steve. He's wearing a gas mask. That's right. Know. It's a strange world we live in. I'm just kidding. Steve's not wearing a gas mask. <laughs> he's he's be beautifully clean-shaven and looks looks like a million dollars because, like all of us, he's been working out a lot. Yeah, so my and my hair is longer than it's been in 20 years. That's, I know. You're pumped up. Story. I can see you're doing... I mean... Sir, I, I could see all the working out that's been happening, and uh, it's pretty good. I mean, you got some veins popping. It's it's really like, uh, it really, it really fits with in with our our theme today. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. So we uh, here at Film Driven. Uh, for those of us who've been with us in the past, um, we've never had anything like a season. We just kind of do these a little bit sporadically that's when right. uh, whenever we'd be working together or uh, had something to talk about. But we're trying something new. We're going to have a, a season. And we're going to have a, a, a season of film driven. And Andre, what are we talking about this That's season? That's right. Uh, Steve, yeah, it's a season, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do several episodes on a theme, on a bigger theme. And the theme that we, uh, we picked is the 1980s. We're going to talk about the movies of the 1980s. And I think, um, Steve, honestly, the 80s seemed to me uh, a decade that's not heavily discussed in no. film. Yeah. The 70s, it's all about the 70s. And the 70s was fantastic. But the 70s was this weird period where, like, old Hollywood was truly dead and new Hollywood hasn't been born yet. So it had, there were all these interesting, edgy, kind of dark and pessimistic films, great filmmakers coming up. And then the 80s kicks in, and it's like the Reagan era, and all of a sudden, it's kind of the birth of what we know as popular cinema. Yeah, it is true. Like, people talk about, obviously, the 70s are mythologized, uh, both for good and ill. And uh, and even the 90s, people talk about, you know, the glory years of American independent cinema when that really kind of exploded uh, to where independent cinema became big money. Um, That's and right. other things in the 90s, uh, lots of directors who are still some of our most prominent directors today got their start in the 90s. Absolutely. But the 80s... Yeah, people don't discuss it as much. Like, it's this whole... And even when they do discuss it, like, people look back on the 80s like the entire thing was just one non-stop Michael Jackson Pepsi commercial. <laughs> you know, and that's not... There are nuances, there are ins and outs, but it's actually, it's a pretty interesting decade because they were finding ways to monetize the advances of the 70s. <laughs> But, That's very uh, true. But then also the seeds of the uh, the independent bloom of the '90s came up, and yeah, yeah it, we'll 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 talk about all of that in the up upcoming episodes. Uh, but our first episode is going to be about well, what I think is probably the most iconic individual figure, at least as an actor, to rise out of the '80s, and that to me is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, and uh, talk about a weird career, a weird life, yeah, and uh, and an interesting filmography. Like at the end of the day, it's weird. Like what you were saying is uh, earlier about the seventies being, you know, being a little bit higher regarded amongst film aficionados, and sure. properly so to some extent. I yeah. mean, the seventies produced some masterpieces, and I would say those masterpieces stand above the masterpieces of the 80s, in my 
honest approximation. I think that's fair. And some of the people we consider like our greatest directors, you know, specifically like Scorsese and Coppola, like mm -hmm. and Spielberg and yeah, well, Spielberg Woody started Allen. Spielberg, and you know, certainly went on to other things, but Coppola definitely almost all of the films that you revere him for were in the decade of the 70s. And right. uh, Scorsese, <laughs> you know, at least 70% of them. Right. <laughs> not to, like, say that neither one of these men have made great 80s movies. was since. not a bad... The 80s was a good decade for Scorsese. Very good decade. Well, when he was not high. <laughs> <laughs> or even when he was high. <laughs> well, I don't know. No, no. The 80s was a good decade. And again, we'll... we'll We'll get Possibly into get yeah, into that down the line. But, you know, the 80s, again, is usually dismissed because it's it's almost too poppy, right? Yeah. Like, like here, it's the 80s cinema becomes a completely uh, popular art form, a... Uh, what is what's that word? Populist almost in yeah. in in its in its drive, and and this is where Schwarzenegger really kind of symbolizes. Yeah, it. yeah. Uh, a lot of the films of the '80s, certainly the biggest hits, were very geared towards entertaining you. Like uh, not right. as much of uh, dark themes, exploring the depths of the soul. It's like let get your popcorn, bring the family out, let's all have a good time. And Arnold, um, the other thing about the '80s just seemed. You know, there's a bigness to it. The hair was right. big, the shoulder pads are big, and uh, the muscles were big. The, that's, big, uh, big. I and nobodies say, were bigger, bigger than Arnold's, right? And, <laughs> I mean, a movie we'll discuss in another episode, Top Gun. Like, you know, if you're used to lithe running Tom Cruise of the 90s and beyond, <laughs> like, even young Tom Cruise is, uh, he's pretty... He's pretty big. Pretty big. You know, he's really big in Top Gun. He's like that guy's been hitting the weight room. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 funny. But Schwartz, but Schwarzenegger's career again has been very strange. You know, he started fairly young. Everybody, of course, knows he hails from Austria. Yeah, Austrian born. His father was a quote unquote policeman. Uh, during "quote unquote" World War II. <laughs> well, World War II—it did actually happen. I don't think you need to put the quote marks around it. <laughs> anyway, well, Arnold, of course, for years, in, in, insinuated that his father was in fact uh, worked for the Nazis, and um, Arnold, ironically, was never close to his father. He supposedly was very bullied by his father, yeah. and uh, to the point where, when his father did pass away early in a car accident. Arnold did not even bother to attend his funeral. And so that tells you that tells you about his relationship. That's a falling out, dad. yeah. And the whole thing, like the like he watched some old movie, I think it was like with Steve Reeves or one of those original muscle guys in those Italian Hercules movies. And uh, and he got obsessed with the concept of bodybuilding. Got yes. obsessed. I guess he was bullied as a child, both by his father and his older brother. And he just got this idea that he wants to do this. He wants to build up his body, and he started doing it, and boy, it, it, it really worked out. Yeah, and it's, I know for people younger than us, if you're unaware that, you know, you might know that, okay, didn't Arnold, didn't he start out as a bodybuilder and things? And there, you know, Hollywood's full of people who used to be a model or something. And But when we say Arnold used to be a bodybuilder, I mean, Arnold was like, won many, many championships all throughout the world. Like, to this day, Arnold is considered one of the greatest, the greatest. body, like, competitive bodybuilders that has ever lived. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would was, say the greatest. Maybe other guys have beat him on the, on the thing. He, Arnold is like the Michael Jordan of bodybuilding. He really is, yeah. He wasn't a, a mediocre talent. It wasn't a little side, like, an asterisk in his filmography. Mm -hmm. Like, he was a champion bodybuilder. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, and... That, of course, led to a weird career where he he ended up in the U.S. He uh, graduated from University of Wisconsin, of all places, right? He got a degree in business, right? And immediately started, besides his bodybuilding career, actually was a very accomplished businessman right off the bat. He surprised people he worked with as a businessman with how intelligent he was because sure. they did not realize somebody that clever in a body like that, because at that point, if you were a bodybuilder, people thought you were a dumbass. I mean, yeah, this is sure. literally what people thought. And uh, Arnold certainly went against that and built up a very nice business, bought a lot of real estate, and was extremely successful 
before he even started making movies. And then people started putting him in movies. People started putting him in movies. And, you know, he actually, uh, mistaken belief is that Conan the Barbarian was his first movie. And that's no. not true at all. He had little film credits huh. all throughout the 70s. Absolutely. You also can go on IMDb, see all these. I mean, there aren't roles you've heard of. They're not right. even movies you've heard of. Right, but right. But he got roles. But he was always playing, you know, kind of a tough guy, not a lot of lines. They just cast him for his muscle. Right. And I will say a turning point is the documentary Pumping Iron. Oh, yeah. That's, because, that's the only one worth seeing, I think, from the 70s. Yeah. As much as I love that villain movie with Kirk Douglas that we yeah. talked about. It. <laughs> that's wow. right. He is but, in that. Uh, but Pumping Iron is it's a documentary about a bodybuilding contest, but Arnold shows just unbelievable charisma and personality in that movie. Absolutely. It's a little behind the scenes, and you're like, well, wait a minute, this guy isn't just some wooden stiff... Right. Like, uh, he's actually pretty entertaining. That movie is fascinating to me, Steve. That's actually one of my favorite documentaries. I don't know if you know that. I'm oh. amazed I didn't talk about it in the, in our documentary sequence. We just got away from, there's too many to yeah. list. But I've always loved Pumping Iron, mainly, primarily because of Arnold. Yeah. But, but I think... Like, I think that thing is fake, man. <laughs> I yeah, think well, there's, there's certainly scenes in Pumping Iron that seem pretty staged. <laughs> it seems to me that... Parts of that movie are not not that they're totally staged, but what they've decided on was a dramatic arc. Sure. And I think a lot of that arc was achieved either through scenes that were shot later or through interviews that were shot later, but or just outright staged, the same way that reality shows. Yeah, it's almost uh, like you, you, what staged. you sound like you're describing as uh, reality television. But what's different about that film, or maybe not so different, maybe just ahead of its time, is that Arnold casts himself in the role of a villain in that movie. Yes. And that's weird. Yeah. Because <laughs> the shit he says in that movie, he's got to be kidding, right? I mean, yeah. there's a point where he says he idolizes Hitler, okay? He bullies Lou Ferrigno relentlessly through the film. yes. Yeah. But in a subtle, like, I am ten times smarter than you way, which he clearly is, you feel bad for Lou Ferrigno because, like, Lou Ferrigno comes out, I mean, is so sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody bullies him, right? Yeah. So the movie builds up this weird dramatic arc based on what may be just a little bit of an exaggeration. Sure. Uh, and I think it's a very interesting film. I think uh, out of... Arnold's 70s work is the only one worth seeing, and uh, and I'm so glad you mentioned it. That was really the the birth of Arnold Schwarzenegger's on-screen thing. Sure. Where he got to play kind of an evil version of himself, <laughs> which, is, which is ironic because it sort of projects into his future, uh, into his future career and how he, you know, he, his movie persona kind of evolved over time. Yes. And so, you know, when we get to the 80s, um, Arnold gets cast in the lead of the film version of Conan the Barbarian. That's Conan, right. Conan, the beloved comic book character. I don't know and, how uh, beloved he was, but people really were well, into the Robert E. Howard, you know, yeah. the, the books and all that stuff. Beloved among Conan fans, at he least. I, I, I loved him. And... Uh, Conan the Barbarian. Conan the Barbarian, uh, directed by uh, John Milius, John one of the Milius. great 70s Love characters. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Guy who wrote Apocalypse Now. And yeah. people say that, of course, Conan the Barbarian, they say it's really very close to the narrative line of Apocalypse Now, where a man kind of is chasing the ghost of what is essentially his father, the creator of him, and then has to kill him in a very similar way. <laughs> Yeah. The way he kills he kills Kurtz in Apocalypse Now. Those two things are very connected. I think Milius would would probably agree that point. But the casting, I mean, but the the fact that he was allowed to cast Arnold Schwarzenegger in in that role was a big coup because remember it was like not only Schwarzenegger a bodybuilder, he has a heavy German accent. Yes. Like a heavy accent. Yes, There's especially no the early eighties, it's even more pronounced. Was even worse. Yeah. There's a specific Austrian type of accent that Arnold himself has that, that's, that's kind of funny. Yeah. And he's used it to excellent effect, as in a humorous way. But early on, the major Hollywood product, Conan the Barbarian at that time, I think, cost like $70 million. It was not a cheap film. Yeah. And it was a huge success, uh, in spite of the fact that 
Arnold didn't talk in. Well, and it, I mean, to be fair, I think it was like a medium success. Like, really? it was certainly successful enough to have a sequel, which came hot on the heels of it, but it was I not... I think it's tripled its money, at least tripled its money. The only reason I bring that up is because I feel like Arnold didn't become Arnold yet. Like no. People kind of knew who he was, but right. he was still on, on the come up. Mm-hmm. And the 80s, one of the things that happened a lot in the 80s, and Arnold is maybe the first of what I'm about to describe, is there would be a star who would make kind of a lower budget action film. I know you just said Conan was like a big, you know, a lot of special effects. Right. But a star would be in an action film that was a little under the radar. It'd be like a modest hit, but it would get good word of mouth among action fans. Right. Like people would be like, oh, I really liked this film. Right. And then, so then the stars of these movies would kind of move up so where if you were like, say, my mom, and you're not, you know, watching, not underground, but, you know, lower rent action movies, all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, who's this guy? So that's Arnold started off making these kind of smaller action films and then rose up to where by the end of the decade, any Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie is like a major event. Exactly. But there are other ones who followed, I felt the same template, like Steven Seagal or Jean-Claude Van Damme. Absolutely. Like, Guys who they'd be in a movie that if you were a guy who really loved action movies, you would see some of their early films and be like, you know, who's this Jean-Claude Van Damme guy? He's kind of kicking ass. I kind of like that. And then, you know, next thing you know, two films down the line, they've got a much bigger budget behind their pictures. And yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, there's another small element that you have to sort of tip the hat off to, to Schwarzenegger kind of breaking down the door. Like you mentioned... Steven Seagal is American, but Jean-Claude Van Damme is Belgian, right? Yeah, uh, correct. He, he has a thick French accent, and uh, Dolph Lundgren has had a Dolph successful Lundgren's film another career. One, yeah. He's Swedish. He doesn't yeah. have that much of an accent, but he still has an accent, and he's quite foreign. Um, all of a sudden, it was acceptable to be a foreigner in big action movie starring not having your voice dubbed and uh, that's something Arnold doesn't get a lot of credit for but there was nothing like that before him there were I mean don't get me wrong they would try to put you know French movie stars in in mainstream films but to very very limited success and here you were and not usually the lead yeah certainly not the lead but you were right about Conan in a sense that Conan was the selling point of Conan was this was Conan yeah. And that they had a good director who understood the property uh, and uh, wanted to do something interesting with it. Although, Conan the Barbarian is a very loose adaptation of what Robert E. Howard wrote. Uh, it was a slightly different character with a slightly different backstory. But in terms of Arnold, he was perfect. He, well, he did. He literally looked like drawings of Conan. Exactly. Which he looks is, like the John you know, Buscema. Like, yeah. And if that... I feel like if Conan was made in the 70s, you know, they might have cast, um, you know, like James Conan or something like it. Yeah, like you it know what, you're right. It, that may have been, or Charles Bronson. Yeah, but certainly not anyone as buff and larger than life-seeming right. as Arnold. Right, exactly. And it worked It worked brilliantly. I remember the movie got bad reviews, but I remember, I, I, I remember seeing it. It was one of the first R-rated movies I've ever seen. My dad took me to see it, uh, and uh, I was it was exciting because, you know, there was nudity and sex and extreme yeah. violence. Uh, so that was... An embarrassing hour and a half sitting next to my dad, <laughs> yeah. kind of fuming. Uh, but uh, it's okay. Uh, it, but I mean, the 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 movie is um, excellent version of what Robert E. Howard envisioned, and Arnold was was perfectly cast. And uh, it's 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 an actual good film. Like for me, it's in my top Schwarzenegger films because not only because I like Conan. Not only because the sword and sorcery genre has had so few excellent entries until Lord of the Rings came about. You know what I'm saying? Like up to that point, it was a schlock genre. And here you had a major Hollywood film that had James Earl Jones in it and had awesome production value and a good director and a good cinematographer. Like the movie looked great. It sounded great. The music was awesome. Everything was cool. The action was cool and exciting. It really worked for me as a film, and it actually, in a weird way, it was an in, was was a fairly competent, like representation of Nietzsche's philosophy. 
<laughs> in, rather than the Robert E. Howard books. Yeah. It was more about Nietzsche than it was about Howard. And I'm, it's not like I'm a follower of Nietzsche, but I find it interesting when a, like a unified philosophical vision is encapsulated in the film. And so much respect to Conan the Barbarian. And it certainly created this impression that like, hmm, you could use an actor like this and it could work. Yeah. And so he, you know, hot on the heels of uh, Conan, it was, as you said, it, it wasn't like one of the biggest hits of the year or anything, but no. it, made, it more than made its budget, and uh, so they made another one. They made right. Conan the Destroyer. Conan the Destroyer a couple of years uh, later. Yeah, and that was much Arnold's next film. And much worse film, but, you know, the, you got it. He could con he, was he contractually obligated to do that? I would imagine. I think there must have been some contractual obligation just with the, with the studio. And uh, it's weird. Like Conan and the, the Destroyer is actually a lot closer to Robert E. Howard writing than the first Conan movie. Uh -huh. It's just a much schlockier film. Was it Richard Fleischer who directed it? Richard Fleischer had a pretty good uh, good back catalog. He did The Vikings back in the day, and he kind of specialized in those type of adventure films. But Conan the Destroyer is not very good, and it's it, it comes at a point of Arnold's career where he was struggling a little bit because, yes, he kicked the door open to a bodybuilder with a thick accent, but he didn't quite know how to do it. Like, like he was suddenly being offered action films. They just weren't great action films, and they were B films. They were films like Raw Deal and Commando to a certain extent. Yeah. And, uh, and Conan the Destroyer. Destroyer. Well, Conan's also an example of a thing that happened in the 80s a lot was... Um, Later on, we're going to do an episode about the kind of maturation of uh, uh, intellectual properties and sequels mm -hmm. and things like that. Now, certainly there were sequels before the 80s. Uh, you know, movies, if it was a hit, sometimes they'd make another one. But I really, and I, I blame this completely on Star Wars. People started <laughs> to, like, conceive of, like, from the get-go, Hollywood would start to look at uh, something like, say, the rights to make a Conan movie. Right. And be like, you know, if we do this right, maybe we can crank out, like, three to five of these. Right, right. Like, just from the start. And so part of this line of thinking is the 80s is littered with both successful and kind of failed attempts at this. Where right. somebody, and that to me, the Conan franchise was they had the rights to this character, and they were probably, you know, when they rolled film on the first Conan movie, they were already thinking, like, this is going to be a trilogy. Yeah. There's going to be Conan action figures. Totally. This is going to be a big hit yeah. for everybody. Yeah. and But yet they made an R-rated film that was kind of hard R, that was more about philosophy than, you know, naked people killing one another yeah. or pseudo-naked. Uh, there was plenty of that. Uh -huh. Don't get me wrong. And some magic. But... You know, it was it. The first movie, I think, is probably was not what the studio was expecting. They were expecting something less cerebral. The second movie was maybe a course correction yeah. to try to do something PG thirteen rated. Well, that's uh, so for the I, masses. No, um, when Conan the Barbarian was made, the PG thirteen rating was not yet in existence. Correct. So that was the thing. There was this whole window in the seventies and early eighties where a movie was PG. Or it jumped straight to R, right? And that were, you know, that resulted in some strange, what today would seem like some strange ratings. Where Jaws, for example, is a PG movie, which seems a rather harsh movie right. for PG. Right. But then there are other movies that, so it wasn't that hard to get to get to an R, is what I'm saying. Do though. you think Conan the Barbarian would be PG thirteen now? Do you think they would downgrade it to PG thirteen? I think they would do it on purpose. I mean, I'm sure they would. They would make it. They PG would do 30. everything they could to not. So they have would it be cut a lot of that orgy yeah. sequence, yes. right? They the would orgy, do it. they would cut everything in their power. The people who made that movie, I feel pretty confident, would do everything in their power to make that movie more easily viewable to teenagers. Absolutely, I think it was super viewable to teenagers because it had that a little bit of a forbidden fruit. Sure. Well, that's a whole. That is a di there. Is, there are still films like that, like Deadpool. Right. And exactly. uh, I, exactly. I always laugh that you know my my son's twelve, and when the the It movie came out yeah, yeah, a couple yeah. of years ago, yeah, like he yeah. had pals who I could tell would reference the It movie. They sure. clearly they had seen oh, It, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, how the hell have you seen It? You know, uh, like what? Right. My son <laughs> but, saw uh, it. 
Uh, I remember myself being 11, and clearly some of my peers had seen Rambo. Right. Which is a very violent R-rated movie. Absolutely, absolutely. But anyway, so, yeah, today if Conan came out, I think they would dumb it down a little, like, dumb it down, but uh, reduce the violence and sex just enough. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And they would, a lot of the, well, again, it depends on who made it. I I feel bad about the Conan property because I think more could be done with it. Sure. Like the Conan property could be more in line with what we think of as good sword and sorcery a la Lord of the Rings films to some extent. And I I think that property could be well handled. Sadly, it's not been. Conan the Destroyer is kind of a, you know, mediocre movie, enjoyable, but mediocre, not an A picture. And uh, the attempt to recreate Conan recently with uh, Jason Momoa, even though he's actually very good casting for that character, the movie was a, was a shit show. And, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to do much. But Arnold, for years, has been trying to revive the character because there was originally supposed to be a trilogy. And... The, yeah, he was going to play like film. kind of an older Conan, right? Yeah, King yeah. Conan was supposed to be, and that is part of the Conan mythology. He's definitely becomes king, and they show it in the movement Conan the Barbarian. And what? And I think it's interesting to do a film about a character like that who's older. And I think it's interesting. It's an interesting concept. They could do something with it. Unfortunately, I'm not sure if they'll ever get get enough money in time for before you know uh, Arnold. Uh, is no longer able to be in it. Yeah. Uh, re- uh. Realistically, although that might be a long time because he still looks pretty damn good. But uh, well, the other uh, 1984 was Conan the Destroyer, and then of course the other big 1984 Arnold movie is one of the the pillars of Arnold. Uh, of Arnold's whole filmography, and that movie is of course the Terminator. Now the Terminator is. Um, it's kind of similar to some of these action movies we talked about, where the Terminator did not have a gigantic budget. Right, it's a B, um, it's a B movie. It's kind of a B movie directed by uh, James Cameron, of course. Who at that point was a dude who did Piranha Two, right? Yeah, he had not. Uh, he had written a screenplay or two, I think, that it got. Right. But uh, this was he was not a big time director, mm-hmm. and this movie uh, exceeded all expectations. All expectations. Uh, you know, My God. critically, box office, the whole thing. It blew me away. It was one um, of the movies that actually blew me away. I remember seeing it in the movie theater, not because I was an Arnold fan, but it just looked like a cool action film, and it got great reviews. It got great reviews right off the bat. Yeah. I recently rewatched it. Uh, it. It holds up. I mean, you know, some of the effects seem a little dated, but it's a great sure. picture. It's also a great example of this thing we will be returning to over and over again, is that the 80s had a lot of these hybrid movies. Right. Where, like, you know, it wasn't just an action movie or it wasn't just a comedy. And The Terminator is a movie that is a sci-fi movie, uh, but it's also... It's a horror movie. I mean, it's it very Absolutely. much like everything about how that movie is shot, how it's staged. It takes a lot from like a John Carpenter film. Absolutely, it's very inspired by John Carpenter. Uh, and, but but yeah, you're absolutely right. That that movie is is a cool hybrid of science fiction, action, and horror. Very very well done. Very well executed. And Arnold was originally. Uh, not supposed to play the Terminator. Terminator was going to be played by Lance Henriksen. The concept of the Terminator at that point was that he would be very low-key. He wouldn't be a huge guy. He would blend in. He'd blend in, exactly. But inside, he'd be a killing machine. And Arnold was initially That's almost like the definition of Lance Henriksen. He blends in, but he's a killing machine, right? (laughs) I mean, that's... I would be fascinated to see what Lance Henriksen would do with the Terminator character. But ultimately, Arnold, who was offered the Kyle Reese character and was like... Oh, that's complete. That's that's. Let me. I want to play the machine. Sure. And he was able to talk James Cameron into into that, which must be some kind of an achievement in itself. Talking James Cameron into yeah. something, right? He talked James Cameron and casting him as as the Terminator. And again, and this kind of is a callback a little bit to Pumping Iron, where he understood that it's okay to play the bad guy yes. if the bad guy is memorable. That, you know, Schwarzenegger doesn't have a lot. He would kind of flit around to various directors, but James Cameron is a relationship he maintained That's through right. the following decades. That he, they made absolutely. several movies together. Right. And, um, yeah, and I want to, you know, well, I don't want to linger too much on The Terminator because we're going to do an episode on sci-fi of the 80s, and I'm sure we'll talk a good deal about The Terminator well, there. But, somewhat, sure. But it was, to me, 
even even more so than Conan, I feel like the Terminator was the first when people were like, okay, now this is Arnold Sword. Like this guy's a right. star. Right, absolutely. Well, he's Which better. Is funny he's for better being a in the killer film. robot. Yeah. Right, right. He's better in the film. He's allowed his humor comes through strangely enough. Much, you know, even though they, you know, they played with it in Conan. Like the performance, the the performance he gives as the Terminator is a better technical performance than he gives as Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Right. He's just more seasoned. He's had a few films under his belt, and you're absolutely right. That was, that's where the, like sort of the next big piece of the puzzle comes in he's the first piece of the puzzle is him just making it as a lead in a movie that's number one two is how is his persona going to evolve and how is it going to be flexible and that's where the terminator is it yeah well it's funny that you know (laughs) it's funny that in some ways it wasn't conan you know you never know how sometimes things are going to connect with the wider public. Right. But I feel for anybody who goes through a period of time where they are considered one of the top action stars, they need to have a movie where everybody's just like, that guy's just a stone cold badass. Like, there's no way to intellectualize it. Right. You just watch the movie and you believe, you have to believe that yeah. this actor right. can kick everybody's ass. Right. And for Arnold, that first movie was The Terminator. Like, you right. watch that movie and he's terrifying. You believe... Yes. If he's coming after you, you are in trouble. You're dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, Absolutely. And so that was the whole, the mythology yeah. of Arnold of just like the stone cold badass right. action star. Right. Yeah. It didn't really start with Conan, oddly enough. It started with the Terminator, totally. you know? Totally. Well, you know, again, he had a couple of those smaller action films. And before that, that I think gave him a little little uh, confidence as a performer. And yeah. that led to Terminator. He also... I have to mention that, like prior to that, starting with Conan, there was they, they, he did a lot of his own stunt work because they couldn't find guys that kind of fit his body type, right? So it took him a while to find a stunt performer for Arnold. And during the time when he did those stunts, dude, he he, he injured himself a lot. So remember, so basically, you got a forty-year-old dude, okay, who's been essentially an athlete all his life. I think. In all honesty, we have to be honest and say that the sport of bodybuilding, while not a contact sport, is a sport that destroys people's health due sure. to the, let's say, additional things they need to put <laughs> in their body. Yes, there might have been some some supplements going There on. may have been some vitamins happening on the side. So that's a crucial saying. thing about Arnold, too, that we forget, you know, he, he was certainly, he was in great shape, he looked great, he looked yeah. young, yeah. and, but... By the time, you know, the Terminator comes out, Arnold's in his, like, mid-30s. So, you know, he's had this whole bodybuilding career and up, so it's it's not, he's not some young buck of 24. He's like this kid. young kid right. on the scene. Right. He's a 35-year-old man who, as we just mentioned, spent over a decade uh, working out a lot a and lot. probably doing a lot of things to his body. Exactly, so. exactly. And he was a partier, too. He was known for that. Yes. You, you, you know, you see some of that in Pumping Iron. So, on one hand, he was in great shape, but he was in great shape the way you'd say, like, maybe a football player is, and not the way you'd say, like, you know, a guy who runs all the time. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Jim Fix. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... There's a confidence to his performance in that movie that, that he, like, you feel like a guy has, in the past couple of years, between those those movies, he learned how to use what he had to the best possible effect. And that's very clever because, again, his intelligence comes into play in terms of the directors he works with and in terms of the projects that he picks. Well, so that's interesting you make because... I noticed in going through Arnold's filmography that Arnold sometimes has worked with some notable directors, but I often wondered if it's almost by accident. Because (laughs) Arnold jumps around a lot. That for every movie with a good director, there's another movie that just seems like kind of a schlocky piece of shit that he agreed to for the money. Yeah. And Post-Terminator is a great example of that. That all through the 80s, every year had at least one Arnold movie, sometimes two or three, usually action, and, you know, some of them are terrible and some of them are quite good. Uh, so then he made uh, Red Sonia, which is another kind of Conan 
knockoff. I'm not right. <laughs> for the listeners who can't see, when I mentioned Red Sonia, uh, Andre just gave me a look that was very much like, "Well, we Jesus." <laughs> Do we have to mention Red Sonia? That was filmed right around the same time as Conan the Destroyer. Yeah. I thought he actually plays Conan in that movie, but they named the character something else. Yeah. That is now that is a shitty movie. <laughs> that is not good. Uh, and again, here he brings another very physically imposing Swedish woman who f- cannot act for the l- if her life depended on it. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, Bridget Nielsen, who ended up marrying uh, Sylvester Stallone, a good buddy of Arnold's. Yeah. But uh, so Arnold did, yeah, so right after Terminator, the next three films were Red Sonja, Commando, and Raw Deal. Have you seen Raw Deal? I never have, actually. So what is, what's the deal? Eh, it's just a, it's a, it's an average action movie. Yeah. And Commando is, like, people love Commando. I think people have uh, kind of an emotional uh, com- attachment to Commando. Sure. But the bottom line is Commando is not a good movie. It's, it's a schlocky movie. It has some good lines. And this is a prime example of Arnold not being quite there yet. Not, you know, even though he, he, he took the next step with the Terminator... He, he's not quite quite there yet with Commando, in my opinion. Like, his persona is there, but the scope of the film and the ambition of the film is not there. Like, after that, I think, after Terminator, Arnold starts thinking a little bit more differently about, like, what he can do. Well, Commando is a good example of, like, just an 80s action movie because one of the things that's fascinating about the 80s, not just in the movies, but the movies are a great example of this, is the 80s, there's a very militaristic vibe going on, and I don't know how much of that was just, like, the Reagan-Bush years, you know, with the Cold War, but it's kind of interesting because, like, in the culture, there was a lot of military stuff. Right. But we actually weren't really in At war. war. Active wars. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there were conflicts. Certainly, the United States were involved in. But like, there's nothing compared to like the '90s or this century. Or you know, there's not. There wasn't Vietnam or anything. There wasn't any Gulf Wars. But a lot of military and the movies. A lot of uh, praise of the military. So there's kind of a military, militaristic angle to just a lot of the culture of the time. Yeah, Even, a lot you know, of like popular movies were G.I. Joe was really big in the 80s. Absolutely. You know? it, was a, it was a cartoon on TV. I think part of that is is we were we were trying to get past Vietnam. We That's were trying true. To like internalize a course correction. Yeah. yeah. We were trying to like internalize Vietnam. And there were some great Vietnam movies that came out in the 80s as well. Let's not forget that. They were much more sure. serious on the topic. And we'll talk about those. But it made everybody feel bad about the military. And the 80s were much more like, let's rehabilitate the image of the military yeah, into yeah. like... Let's... Yes, with movies starring Austrian dudes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> with movies starring dudes whose fathers were Nazis. Yes. <laughs> Which is ironic. But it's it, uh, you're, you're you're certainly right, and I think a lot of these pop movies that we think of as big event films that were that really again were created in the '80s did not really exist prior to Star Wars. In the late '70s and then the '80s, kind of perfected the event film, and here is where Arnold wants to play. This yeah. is where he wants to live. Yeah, and in 87, Arnold released two very good, at least interesting hybrid movies that were uh, kind of sci-fi. Uh, there's sci-fi. a sci-fi military film, then a sci-fi... I don't know, I don't know how you... The Running what, Man. How what would you subgenre is The Running Man? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I would say I would say Running Man falls into science fiction satire. Yeah, maybe kind of a dystopian future thing, you know, that kind of a thing. Based off a Stephen King story, I believe, right? It was. It was based off a Stephen King story. It's it's pretty clever. It holds up pretty well. It's extremely kind of prescient. Is that a word? Prescient? Did I yeah. say that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, sorry, my. My Russian accent is coming through. But uh, the, the, it, it was kind of ahead of its time into the world of reality television. And um, it's fun. It's a fun It's a fun action flick. I don't yeah. love it. It's not my favorite of Arnold's. Uh, but, uh, but it holds up pretty damn well. It's damn watchable, I think. Yeah, and the other big movie that year, which is huge, was uh, Predator. Predator. Predator is a, a better film. Yeah, whereas Terminator was a science fiction horror film, Predator's more like a science fiction military film. Right. Uh, I mean, in some ways, kind of keeping in line with the movie Aliens. 
the second Alien movie, which came out right around the same time. Right around the same but, time. Uh, Those two are a great double feature. I recently rewatched Predator, and uh, not only is it a good film, but like Arnold is really good in that. Like yeah. you know, it's got some '80s touches. He yeah. is you know jacked to the eyeballs, and uh, there's this famous. So is Carl Weathers. There's so a great uh, scene that's a famous meme of them like where they greet each other and they like almost do like an in midair arm wrestle, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just I mean it's silly, but that said. You know, Arnold plays the leader of this. It's like an ex-military group, but they're kind of... They're mercenaries. They're mercenaries, man. but he's believable as, like, the de facto sergeant Dutch. of this organization. Absolutely. Yeah. He's believable in a, in a leadership role because, yeah. again, with Schwarzenegger, the intelligence comes through. You know, yeah. the, the, his IQ comes through. Once he's able to... To make that work as an actor, which is not something that everybody can make work as an actor. Once he's yeah. figured out how to use it, it, it works. It works. It just works. And and here he is figuring it out. So he is absolutely, he's totally convincing in the role. He's convincing as a badass. He's convincing as a commander of this group. Um, and He's, he's uh, got some range. I mean, there are parts in the, there's parts in the movie where he's screaming and has great emotion. And then there are parts where Get he kind to of... <laughs> there are also parts where we underplay scenes, like where he has like a skeptical look about like, ah, I don't know if I buy this. Um, but the, the Predator is an interesting movie. It's a great, you know, what what's the most dangerous game, Andre? It's hunting people. People, people are the most dangerous. Also the most delicious from what I hear. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Uh, but but the... I love Predator. It does hold up good. I was surprised. I did. I, I, I rewatched it recently. I was surprised by how much of that movie was shot from the point of view of the Predator. A lot of Predator. It was POV. a lot of Predator yeah. vision in that. In yeah. That film. I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of Predator vision. If they edited all that together, that would be probably 20 minutes of Predator vision alone. The Predator. It's. It's a pretty well done movie, considering that. So the the character, the alien Predator, while you know being a killing machine that essentially is. I I can't. He wasn't stranded there, right? Like, did he come to hunt? I think he came to hunt. Yeah. So he's just there to hunt us. Yeah. And uh, that like said, a you know, he's like an accountant back in his home world, but here he's the predator. But it's a great villain in that, like, well, not exactly sympathetic. You at least kind of understand where he's coming. Like, you're like, you know, the predator like just wants to go out and hunt some humans, polish off a few skulls, you know, yeah. kick back. And, and then... he also, he's ambitious as a hunter because he, he could go after, like, you and me. Like, if a predator came here right now, we'd be dead, right? We yes. wouldn't even see, that would be easy pick. No, the predator, he wants a challenge. Like, you can tell he... So uh... he's hunting elite commandos, yeah. special forces guys in the middle of a jungle. You kind of respect that. But I, the predator holds up great. There's a movie franchise that's been also not done a lot of justice to over the years. Yeah. And, and uh, without getting too much into the fact, like Predator, I actually enjoyed Predators with Adrian Brody. I thought that was probably the closest, but virtually every other Predator film, no. Yeah. It just did not work for me. And Arnold did not do the sequels because he was not happy with the direction where those franchises were going. And again, showing a very keen eye for a good screenplay. Yeah, the uh, Predator 2 one. has one of my all-time favorite uh, downgrade in your leading man. <laughs> that, uh, I mean, I guess there are times that, you know, I'm, I don't know of off the top of my head of an example of where a franchise like just replaced the leading man and a totally different type of actor and it worked but I will say uh, they went from Arnold Schwarzenegger to Danny, Danny Glover. Glover and man that did not it was it not the not. same kind of vibe no no Danny Glover <laughs> needs help he can't he, that character cannot stand on his own he needs Mel Gibson huh? <laughs> but we'll cover that more in another <laughs> episode Steve Back to Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this, of course, is the key part of Arnold's career, right? I mean, right after the one-two punch of the running man and Predator, he is where a, do you go? He's becoming a giant star. He's and, a big star. Uh, so then Arnold makes his first maybe just pure comedy where he's Ooh, evidenced some like comedic potential that he, uh, he branches out. And he makes a movie called Twins. And uh, one of the things about the 80s, I mean, I know... You know, modern audiences know him from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's very much alive, right. thankfully. But every now and then I just pause for a second and reflect that Danny DeVito really was one of the biggest stars of the 80s. I mean, always as like kind of a sidekick character. He was but, a big, he was a big but star. But it's, it's kind of 
Of well, all the people it. in the world. <laughs> but I mean, of all the men in the world to become giant Hollywood stars, I mean, certainly one of the least like. <laughs> well, the 70s allowed that, dude. Once they let in Al Pacino and Dustin Hoffman, then anything goes, man. Why not a, a, a hideous midget like Danny DeVito? <laughs> but uh, Danny DeVito, I mean. a voice. He made the most of it. I he, he sure did, Ooh. and he and you're. It's it's in, it's very funny that you mentioned that. I I think it's great. And and who would have thought to put those two dudes in a movie together? And who would have thought it would have been great? Ivan Reitman directed that. Ivan Reitman, so yeah. Clearly, he thought of it. And uh, and this is really to me like this twins with twins. I think the final piece, or one of the final pieces of the. Arnold Schwarzenegger persona comes into into place. Comedy, straight up comedy. The yep. guy's funny. All of a sudden, he's funny. And Twins is also, it's a great example of, now correct me if I'm wrong, I don't recall this happening as much in the 70s, but the 80s were really into this about the high concept movie. Right. Like the movie you can explain in one sentence. Right. And preferably with a star you've heard of. Right, right. The star right in the explanation. Yes. So, and like, you're like, if you, like, what's this movie, Twins? I don't know anything about it. You're like, well, it's a comedy. And it, the concept of the movie is that Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito are actually twins. They were separated at birth, but they came from the same family. <laughs> They're twins. And all you got to know is if you know who Arnold Schwarzenegger is and what he looks like, and you know who Danny DeVito is and what he looks like, you're like, that sounds ridiculous. Let's check it out. <laughs> I would invest in that movie right now if it was still a thing. Absolutely. It, it really sells itself. And it did. And also it happened to be a movie that didn't disappoint. That was like actually pretty amusing. And yeah, fun. It, uh, it delivered. And, it was a big hit. Yeah. I mean, and Danny DeVito, of course, is a trained stage actor and has been around for a long time and, and is a you know, isn't an actor's actor, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he. it's like, well, we were kind of making fun of Danny DeVito, but that kind of sidekick role, I mean, Danny DeVito nails it. Oh, my like, God. He just... He's the king of that stuff, yeah. and he's always funny, and he's got great timing. So the question is, how is it going to work? I mean, it, on paper, it's hilarious, but you put those guys on a screen together, and it could be just a train wreck. It, you know, when chemistry doesn't work, boy, it doesn't work, you know? And, and here, it worked. They were great together. It was funny. The movie was a hit. And boom, all of a sudden, now people look at Arnold Schwarzenegger in a completely different light. And there, right there, is, is really the most amazing thing, where you had this guy who goes from a novelty to a limited leading man slash action actor to somebody who has a, an identifiable persona, all of a sudden somebody who, who has comedic skills and comedy is hard but so by the end of the 80s arnold is you know one of the biggest stars in the world who seemingly can do all sorts of movies i don't know any i I almost said anything i don't know about anything nobody really cast him in like a romantic comedy but that said yeah yeah his his appeal as a romantic actor is very limited well and then you know we'd his next two movies, which came out in 1990, which, depending on your point of view, is either the end of the 80s or the beginning of the 90s. But, you know, so his next two movies, two movies in one year, and it's Total Recall and Kindergarten Cop. Absolutely. More, and right there, he follows it up with a super high concept, extremely big budget science fiction film. Yeah. Which is pretty good. Yeah. Certainly better than the remake that they did a couple of years ago that was not um kind of iconic in its own way paul verhoeven fine director incidentally uh paul paul verhoeven at that point of course had a big hit with robocop which he wanted arnold for but arnold again very astutely said hey i don't want this competing with the terminator yeah similar character i don't want this much better yeah he would have overpowered the film at that point yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, RoboCop is, of course, you know, another one of those franchises that's been massacred 20 ways or and mishandled and blah, blah, blah. But uh, that first one is, a, is an excellent, excellent science fiction film. But it gave Paul Verhoeven, who's a very quirky Dutch filmmaker, who's made some weird ass kind of like sexy type movies back in the yeah. in the home country. Right. 
Soldier of Orange and Turkish Delight, you know, just stuff that's like, why would they give a big action franchise to this guy? They did it. Hollywood opened the door to Paul Verhoeven. Well, and Arnold, by that point, has tremendous power. He so, does. like, the fact that I... I don't know the origins of how Total Recall got made, but I will say that it's hard for me to imagine that movie at that time getting made without a star of Arnold's caliber being involved. So, you know, yeah. Arnold wanting to do a movie as weird as Total Recall right. guaranteed that it got the budget it right. did. Right, right. And again, a very high concept science fiction movie, clever, well executed, he's effective in it. I think a lot of actors could have done it. I mean, unlike Conan or Terminator, where we can't really think of another actor that could do that. No, yeah, that... Or even with Twins, where it just wouldn't work if it was just Robert Redford, let's say. Yeah. Uh, you know, here, you know, he, he, he plays a more conventional leading man character. Other actors could have played that role, but his presence gives it a little bit something else and a little bit of an edge. And, and, and again, that movie has a lot of comedy too. So he right away starts yes. getting the com comedic aspect into the film and then right away follows it up with another friggin' hot, hot comedy. Yeah. And Arnold's a giant star at this point. And it's, uh, you know, really just... As much as anybody epitomized the 80s, he didn't hit every genre. Like I said, there's no romantic comedy. They also, uh, Arnold, interestingly, when you look at his whole career, just even past the 80s, never really made an indie. An indie film? Yeah. Well, he's made a few very small films in recent years. In post-governorship, post post -governor I guess he's uh, dipped his toe into yeah, one or two Yeah, the things, only one I but... saw was The Last Stand. He made a couple of movies recently. I did see Killing Gunter. And um, that is not a good film, uh, <laughs> but when Arnold finally arrives in the film, it becomes a movie you enjoy somehow. So there's his his abilities. But he, you're right. He was, you know, he was interested in making big big tentpole movies. He also didn't make a lot of sequels. People think of him as a sequel meister, but outside of the world of the Terminator, not a lot of sequels for Arnold. No, I mean, he did some of these Expendables movies, but that was, yeah. that's Stallone's thing that's that he was kind of like thing. doing a favor. He's a third, fourth yeah. banana in that yeah. film, and he's, he's almost there as a favor. And if you watch those movies, it looks like he had like two days of shooting. So they just gave him a lot of cash, and he was like, sure, I'll do it. I'll do it. Give me the suitcase of money. <laughs> But you're right. He uh, there's not a lot of sequels. He, uh... Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the things people don't understand about him, is that he, he he's not a big cash grabber. I, it's like he made a ton of money, but you know, he, he you got the feeling that he cared enough about the product not to just take the money for any piece of garbage. At least once he got enough power, and this yeah. was obviously, you know. And this really started happening post-80s, because now we're yeah. out of the 80s, I mean, the, the, now the, we're in the 90s, and now his career is really kind of going up and up and up and up and up. Yeah, I mean, by the time we get to the 90s, I mean, Schwarzenegger's at, like, he's at a Tom Cruise level of fame and power, oh. and, like, at the time... Beyond Tom Cruise. Yeah, by the early 90s, he is one of the, if not the most bankable actors in Hollywood for a few years. Right. Bankable, and, iconic. And into that status. Like, he was right. very into, like, any into movie that it. he came out, he would be the first to tell you that it's going to be the biggest movie of the year. Right, right. Shameless self-promoter, uh, extremely successful and powerful, you know? I mean, and that, you know, there was, like, an old story about him where he, as a child, he, he wanted to marry into the Kennedy family, and he... He accomplished. He that. did do he, it. Yeah, he did. He did in fact do it. Well, that's. But, I mean, he made. There's a, obviously there's the Terminator Two movie, which was Terminator also just two. like gigantic. Hit. Absolutely. But then um, that you know, is, the is last, that the ultimate Terminator. That's that's the ultimate Terminator movie. To me, Terminator Two is sort of like. Well, see, that's. Yeah, we might talk some more about this sci-fi thing, but the the Terminator it took two it to is, the next level, right? It did, but then a lot of people argue that the first one's actually the more philosophically interesting one. I think the it. first one yeah. is maybe a better film on an yeah. intellectual level, but the second one is so strong and so confident, and so beautifully executed. He's great in it. It it it's it, it's a great sequel. It's one of I the I mean, Terminator sequels. Two is it is 
for that type of movie where there's like a hotly anticipated big budget sequel, it more than delivered more. on your expectations. More. Like it was. It was also groundbreaking for science fiction. Ground, for, for, for special, special effects. effects. It really. It was the first of the kind of morphine technology, and right. uh, yeah, no, it, it, everyone before that movie came out, everyone was like, "This is going to be a huge hit," mm-hmm. and it certainly was. <laughs> everybody, right. everybody went, came out of the theater, and was like, "Well, that was great." Um, but after that, you know, what started like, not like he became irrelevant, but probably the end of the peak was the movie Last Action Hero. And that movie, to me, was just the height of Arnold's arrogance, where he's like, he just felt through sheer personality, he's like, I've been on a run where for like five or six years, anything I touch is golden. Right. It's huge. Right. And he thought he could just make whatever and say this dumb, your luggage catchphrase. And he was convinced that would be like the new catchphrase taking over, you know, America. And he thought anything he did was guaranteed to be the biggest movie of the year. Yeah, it's worked so far, though. You got to well, give him he that. Had a, he had a really. It was bound to stop at some point. I mean, I can see that if you're the man who like transformed the phrases "I'll be back" and it's not a tumor <laughs> into like beloved like catchphrases heard throughout the world, you're like, I can just do whatever, right? <laughs> well. I, you know, I don't know when was the last time you've seen The Last Action Hero, but The Last Action Hero is actually kind of a ballsy movie, dude. It is not a coaster. It's not a dude coasting on his thing. It's a dude subverting his image. It's a dude doing something that's frankly, that film is batshit crazy, dude. That is a postmodern movie before movie like people understood what that was that movie it broke the fourth wall it 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 played with the concepts of you know character versus reality and and real life versus fantasy all of these things it was a very interesting film it just didn't I think it was almost too intellectual for the general public people expected dumbass Arnold shit and they got kind of a Weird ass movie. And, well, that's and, what. Yeah, it was just like a hybrid that didn't fully work, and that happens sometimes. That you know. Yeah. You, well, it didn't work for audiences. I, I didn't think. I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't. I mean, it's not the best Schwarzenegger movie for me. It's not going to be in my top three. But boy, I mean, I think it was a. I think it was a noble failure. You know what I'm saying? Like, like where the audience didn't connect to it. There's things in the movie that I thought were poor choices and compromises. They, if they actually committed to the concept a little more, it would have been better. But they didn't. Um, and uh, therefore, it felt a little compromised. Maybe that, that undermined it. But after that, you know, Arnold was kind of back. He was fine. It was one of those, like, press arc stories. And right. I just remember from the 90s that, again, this guy from, like, you could argue from the Terminator through Terminator 2, which is a run of, like, seven or eight years, yeah. everything that guy touched was a hit. Right. It was at least a mm. modest hit, and... Not raw deal. <laughs> was a raw deal a hit? Yeah, it didn't make it... Okay. I but, mean, I don't know if it, what a hit is, but I'm sure it, it, it was a cheap-ass movie that probably made more money probably than Probably made more, more, yeah. But so he... Very, very successful, and... I just remember the press pile on on The Last Action Hero. Deserve it or not, it was just like the press yeah. was ready to be like, yeah. all right, Arnold, you are... Yeah, the press wanted to bring a it down a, a lot. Yeah, yeah. The, pr- the press wanted to bring it down. And, and again, I think people didn't really fully understand the film when it came out. You know, I think that movie got like a lot of unfair shit. I think it was a, it was a fine effort. But again, a noble failure as it were, but you know, then, then Arnold, but I think it taught Arnold a lesson perhaps, that lesson being like, you know, let give the people what they want, give them some high con, you know, high concept action, big action movies, give them what they expect and some good comedies, those have worked for me in the past, and, um, and then we'll see what the next chapter in my life and my career is going to be. So he made True Lies with James Cameron, and then he reunited with Ivan Reitman uh, to make Junior. Junior. Uh, It's okay. But then after that, I mean, not as many notable directors or even movies. That uh, the whole Arnold's career from that point on, I mean, 
What's your favorite movie from 1995 on that Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh, that's made? a very, very good question. I mean, you had End of Days that wasn't bad. Eraser is probably the best one of these. Terminator 3 is, in retrospect, is not that bad a movie. Terminator 3, which he didn't want to do, James Cameron talked him into doing, um, is, you know, was really the end of the Terminator trilogy. Everything since then has been some kind of a reboot that is then abandoned by the studio. Arnold's involvement in every single one of them is clearly a money grab, because after that, Arnold got interested in other shit. I think he got bored of making movies. Yeah, and then uh, I mean, and then he went into politics. That's right, for a long time. So he was a governor of California, and that was whatever. People have different opinions on his success, but he did it. He got reelected, then he got recalled, and there was all kinds of nonsense going on there. Either way, it was you know he did it. He didn't make a lot of movies during those times. He did do it. I mean, it's still the man who grew up in uh, kind of modest origins in Austria yeah, wound poor, up as the governor poor. of California. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Not only the governor of California, but from what I understand, a dude who owns a lot of California. Yeah. He owns a shit ton of real estate. So, you know, he's extremely, extremely wealthy. After, he, let's talk a little bit about his after governor career, post-political Arnold career. The thing that Arnold's been trying to do for since, since getting into, getting out of politics. It's basically been the past decade. Past decade of his career, he was trying to get Conan 3 made. That's been a real passion project of his, and I don't know if it's ever going to happen. It didn't work. They tried to reboot it. He's still hoping to make what he refers to as King Conan. Um, I think it could still be great. But he also messed around with some stuff. He did, uh, he did kind of a conventional modern Western called The Last Stand uh, with a Korean director, I believe, um, and it was kind of all right. It's a pretty decent action flick. It didn't really, you know, set the world on fire. The box office has moved on. And he's made other movies. He made a zombie movie. Um, he made a movie where he was apparently a grieving father of a, a victim of a plane crash. I have not seen these films. I've only seen Killing Gunter. Um, I know I, I did see The Last Stand, and I enjoy The Last Stand. The Last Stand is pretty good. Um, it has not been an incredible decade for him as an actor, for sure. No, but he's also, you know, at, at this point, Arnold is, uh, he's in his 70s. He just turned 74. It was his birthday literally, like, four days ago. Okay, and he's aged into now this just kind of beloved guy. Like, you know, he went through, he was the act, he was the bodybuilder, he was the action star. There's a time where, you know, some people loved him, some people thought he was full of shit, he was a politician. But now, as like, you know, 74-year-old man, I feel like most people kind of smile when you think about Arnold Absolutely. Schwarzenegger. He's made yeah. some funny little videos where he's like quarantined with a donkey. I don't two know if donkeys. you've seen these. He's got two pet donkeys. Those it's videos great. are hilarious. <laughs> They're very funny. Yes. Like, if you watch them, what he probably excludes from those videos is how much weed he smokes prior to rolling the camera. Because yeah. there's some light. Oh, my God. But anyway. Uh, well, there's a music critic I like once who he said he was, one day he was just reflecting on Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he was just thinking about, like, like imagine if you had brought that much joy to the world. Like, if you were the guy, I mean, you're the guy from Kindergarten Cop and Terminator and Predator and Twins, and you're like, imagine all these movies that, like, people just think about and smile, and you're like, man, that's a lot of, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah. of joy to the world. Good he, job, Arnold. He did, he did. And, and again, I think Arnold, being a brilliant, very politically-minded guy, has placed himself in a nice spot you know he actually did hit some hard times i mean the post governor thing was bad he got divorced yeah, the divorce and it was, was very bad. embarrassing and, it was a and very embarrassing messy and, uh, and it was just like what with a maid what's happening i will also say like for a man who's led a very interesting life he's not the best teller of it uh, i've heard arnold on a couple podcasts and i remember you know click and play being like this is gonna be great right like i can only imagine the stories arnold has and if Arnold has really great stories, he's not sharing them in, like, a public podcast format. Right. And he's kind of a blowhard, at least in terms of, you know, it, right. like, listening to him for an official sit-down interview, 
He pontificates a lot. No, I yeah. have no idea. I've unfortunately I've never been like out drinking with Arnold. Right. I mean, maybe that's fantastic. Maybe, but, well, uh, I, I'm, I don't know. I bet it would be fantastic in, in a, in, on, on some level. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Arnold, Arnold is a man who tells his legend. He doesn't yeah. tell what actually happens. Even though I think if you get him in a right context and a right with a with a with somebody, like if we got to interview Arnold, that'd be. We'd get. We'd get <laughs> you think we could do it? I huh? We could work it. Yeah. I think we'd get some. We'd get some dirt out of him. <laughs> I'd bring a donkey. Not this time. Not this time. But, uh, but, again, last last decade has not been incredible part of his career. But I think it's been an all right part of his life. I think he's gotten past some tough times. He's had some health issues. He had some injuries. Um, he gets injured a lot. Yeah. If you read about him, that's that's something like he that that man is beat up. A lot of weird. Fractures, motorcycle accidents, stunt accidents, stuff that really messed him up for a long time. Also heart problems. He's had some issues with that. But God bless, just turned 74. And uh, for my money, still probably the biggest, certainly the largest icon of the 1980s, yeah. uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That so. was fun. It was a good way to start. Yeah, so that's uh, that's our first episode of this season where we talk about the, the films of the 80s. This one focusing on a, the largest, at least physically, star of the <laughs> 80s, Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right, so uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, we're going to try to put one of these out every week. So we'll see you next week with another edition of uh, Films of the 80s. Film Driven takes a drive through the films of the 80s. Driving even through though the 80s. we're uh, we're not driving together because that's that's very close quarters. Abs- that's I don't too... know where you've been. Oh, absolutely. And you don't know who's been in my car, which is even scarier that's if right. you think about it. It wasn't Arnold, I'll tell you that. We will keep a social, uh, an appropriate social distance while recording these podcasts. All right. Be sure to do that. All right. Well, I'm Andre Shane. I'm Steve Haskin. Thanks for listening. Hasta la vista, baby. To become a star A poor young guy But never shy Said here I am Hold on He started counting lifts When pain comes on Pump it up Don't bring it down He made a trip To the United States First time born American shades A hard man Was only 19 When he became A steel machine In the gold's gym Of Venice Beach town Pump it up Don't bring it down I'll be back Superstar, they call you Conan the Barbar Pumping iron, steel machine Living legend, evergreen Governator Mr. Universe, Olympia